and welcome to another episode of Talk Gopher Buckets. I'm Luke Buer. Hey, this is Ryan James of Gopher Illustrated and Prep Hoops. All right, ready Ryan. for another show with our friend Luke here. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Uh, it is. It is. Uh, I don't know. We're six games into the season. Um, I think we've learned a decent amount about this team. Uh, it just makes a lot of sense that we should talk about it. Uh, I think most people are probably going to be. Uh, 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 most familiar with the Boston College loss. It wasn't pretty. Um, no surprise there. Uh, but uh, in the same respect, you know, this is a 5-1 and one team with a couple of good wins, albeit on neutral sites. But um, but I think that I think we're learning a lot about them through these first six games. You know, you know what I learned a lot about over the weekend, Luke? <laughs> I, I know you learned a lot about Paul Bunyan's axe. You know what? Like, like, well, how can we start a gopher talk show? Yeah. podcast without discussing a little bit of the act like have you seen these new shirts that come out that have come out like yeah it's a little bit much it's been 15 years you know we got shirts but you know what we're all excited we're running around with an axe because minnesota piss pounded wisconsin <laughs> gopher fans listening to this right now just you know kind of think of the act think of everybody running around with it Smile to yourself about how cool that is and how good that feels. Go to work and let all those dudes that wear red who don't really know anything about the Wisconsin team but claim to be Badger fans, <laughs> let every one of them know that the axe is on the side of the other is on the west side of the Mississippi, and it doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere for a while. So be happy, be proud, watch highlights of Minnesota versus Wisconsin every day. You can find a two- or three-minute clip on YouTube to watch and just bring a smile to your face and say, hey, you know, my boss might suck, but Minnesota beat Wisconsin, so all good, yo. Yeah, it, it is a beautiful thing. Uh, you and I actually greeted the axes that came in together. That was kind of fun. Um, it, it was fun. I mean, there was so many Gopher fans, like veteran fans right. out there that have just yearning for that for so long and it was you know it was a great thing but the best part about it is it was a hammering and yes. it, was, it looked like a sign of things to come now i'm not saying that minnesota is going on a four or five year streak of beating wisconsin but we look at the personnel and it's looking pretty good yeah yeah absolutely it's it's been fun and hopefully uh you know this program has a trajectory upward and we will be talking a lot about more wins so um hey and 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 the star tribune continues to write articles bashing pj flex so what are you gonna do (laughs) even after the win they go at it you know yeah whatever 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 all right let's Luke, what? before we talk over basketball, high school basketball season starts tomorrow. It does. What? I mean, I think your Wilmer Wilmer team yeah. is going to be better than people think. I don't think people realize they only lost one guy. He was a stud, but yep. they only lost one guy. Yeah, you know, I, I've talked a little bit um, to some folks around there. Uh, they they are they're hopeful. Uh, the problem right now has been that all those guys uh, had to play football until the very end when they got beat by basically Jalen Suggs. Um, so they're missed. Oh, wait, about... wait, they were on that. They were they were part of the Jalen Suggs show as well. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they they were the team that Jalen Suggs and SMB beat. Um, so it's just another public school championship for. Uh, 
overwhelmer in in sports. I think it was a few <laughs> years a few years back they they beat Patrick Henry in basketball or in basketball. I think it was like I don't know. 2009 maybe and they took third place but you know they claimed that as the public school championship because i believe benilde and um and st thomas academy played uh played in that game so uh you know it was a good 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 year for them in football but you know they're a little bit behind the eight ball in basketball in terms of practice because all those guys so many of those guys played football also play basketball so um i think but i think they'll be good they they do have a lot of a a lot of uh, quality players Uh, a guy to watch at least from my perspective would be Dre Dirksen, who, who is also the quarterback for the Heck football yeah. team, he is a he is a phenomenal athlete and going to end up playing baseball. Um, but he probably, in my opinion, was their, even their best player last year, even though maybe statistically didn't look that way. Um, but another guy, Ty Roloff, really really strong player as well. Um, but they're they're going to be good. They'll they'll definitely be good. Hey, Dre and Ty are two of the four starters back. I'm not exactly sure where I placed them in the top, and I can't remember everything. But sure. I know I had them pretty highly ranked in the top ten. The breakdown slash North North Star Hoop Support uh, top ten. Those ones that are the top ten, not the Associated Press one that comes out after we put ours out and has very similar <laughs> things. <laughs> the, one, the ones that follow the basketball the most are us at the breakdown and North Star. Those are the rankings to look at. They are they have them in the top ten. And you said public school champions. We in Austin, Minnesota, know all about public school championships. Last <laughs> day basketball. It's been private school champion for so long. It's insane. Thank you, Delano, for grabbing one for the public schools. Yes. Often, I claim we they, we claim three uh, recent public school championships, and even Dave Thorson, Dave Thorson kind of giggles when I say that to him. He goes, "Yeah, you're probably right." <laughs> So anyway, hey, is this a Gopher podcast? Did I hijack it completely? You, My bad. You you kind of hijacked it, but you know, I think people I think people will enjoy that, especially some people from Wilmer, Austin, and uh, and football fans. But I digress. Heck yeah, and and even Ryan Burns will enjoy it. Oh, hunting Burns. <laughs> oh, hey, you guys are hey, all you Gopher fans for into this basketball, which we'll get into in a second. Make sure to check out that. Uh, the Gopher Gridiron Podcast. I listened to it on my morning jog in this morning, and you know it's, it's always a good listen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we appreciate that. It's been it's been a fun season. So, um, okay, uh, Gopher basketball. Uh, they're five and one. Um, I don't think they've played very beautiful basketball thus far, but they do. They have managed to be five and one. Um, it's been kind of a slugfest at times. Uh, I think that you know we had some concerns about point guard. We thought. I think it's maybe been a little bit worse than I expected, um, but I'd like to get your thoughts. You know, just kind of at a high level where they're at right now as a squad at five and one. You know, it's a really difficult team to pinpoint right now because it's like you, we watch frustrating things happen. You know, Amir is not playing that great. Dupree McBrayer is not playing that great. Isaiah Washington's not playing that great, but yet they're five and one, and they've got. You know, I was I did some power rankings today for the Big Ten, and I, you know, it's so close that they almost don't even mean much. Right. You're, you're, but you're basically separating teams based on quality of wins, and so many Big Ten teams have a win or two against major conference opponents, but not many of them have three or more like the Gophers. You know, the Badgers are one team that do. The Gophers have a very good win over the Washington Huskies yes. that are so strong in the viewer household, <laughs> as well as Texas A&M and Utah. And a lot of teams don't have several quality wins. And if they can pick one up against Oklahoma State, 
this Friday at U.S. Bank Stadium, you know, that's four major conference wins. A lot of teams can't say that. So it's a step in the right direction. Now, but to pinpoint this, Luke, it's so tough. I mean, I don't think we have a clear idea of what Dupree McBrayer is going through in terms of his home life. I know there's a struggle there in the family in terms of health. Right. And Richard, you know, talked about that a bit after the game the other night. And I know that he missed, Dupree missed, I think it was the uh, inter-squad scrimmage for, for to be home with his family. Yeah, well. yeah. So I think, I think that problem is kind of, I, I don't know what problem, problem is the word to use, but like that, what's going on with his family is kind of, is kind of affecting his play or maybe a lot. You know, obviously Eric Curry's got two weeks before he's back. So there's a few things going up. And then the point guard position, I, it, it's so frustrating. Like, I'm okay with the near handling the ball. I just think they have to find a more consistent way to ignite the offense. Plus, they've been facing so many different types of defenses that, you know, Amir's first days as point guard are, are – it's like taking a different complex test every time they're out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. first of all, we play this aggressive man-to-man, and that's his first test. Then he's playing, uh, you know, an odd zone against, again, you know, facing an odd zone against Washington, then a matchup zone against Boston College. You know, and you have a full-court pressing guy from Texas A&M. Like, they keep throwing so many different things at Amir that, you know, it kind of made his, his first game tough. And then I say Washington comes off the bench, and, man, you don't ever know what he's going to get. No. So it, I, it's difficult, but at the same time, Daniel Turu, he is what he thought we expected him to be, and that's pretty dang talented. Gabe mm-hmm. Kelsher, way more than we ever expected yeah. him to be. And Jordan Murphy's been Jordan Murphy, albeit fouling too much, but he's also become so much better of a passer. Yeah. And – the last thing I want to point out that we'll, I'm sure we'll get into more is this team is deeper. And I really think that Richard Pitino needs – it's going to get deeper when Eric Curry comes back. Yep. I really think that Richard Pitino needs to use his depth a little bit more than he has. Yeah, I, I think I, I'd, I'd agree with you there. I mean, you know, from a depth perspective, uh, you know, you've got some guys like Brock Stahl and Michael Hurt that seemingly get some really inconsistent minutes. Um, you know, they're averaging somewhere around, you know, Stahl is averaging, I think, 10 minutes a game, and Hurt is averaging 7.5. Like, that's just, that's really not a lot. Yeah, it's just not a ton of minutes, but I would expect those guys to play a little bit more. Um, I know you and I have chatted offline a little bit, um, you know, with like Jarvis Omersa. Um, you know, he he's playing about 13 minutes, and, and rightfully so because you know they don't have uh, they don't have Eric Curry at this moment. But you know, there are times that he just looks like his head is spinning. Um, it, it, the effort is absolutely there. I just feel like he would. Uh, you know, be better, you know, give him a little bit more time to mature. I almost would rather see Michael Hurt play the four a little bit in that situation, um, especially against, you know, smaller lineup teams. But you're, you're right. I mean, they're they're seemingly struggling to get a really good flow together. I don't think they've played a complete ball game to date. Like, they just really haven't. And Gabe Kalisher, in a lot of ways, has bailed them out in some really tough situations as well. Definitely. And, you know, you, you touched on a lot of points there that I want to, you know, I, support or back up or sure. grab and run, take the ball and run with it. But, like, when Eric Curry comes back, I assume he'll start, you know, he's get, get, they'll take it slow, so he'll probably come off the bench. When Eric Curry comes back, you're talking about a third-year player 
Matt Stocklin, a fifth-year player. Brock Stella, fourth, maybe fifth-year player. I, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I can't remember which one he was. And Michael Hurd, a third-year player. Like, your bench is not a bunch of guys. It is a bunch of guys with a lot of experience. You could trust them to do things, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a basketball you know, as you know, as team basketball players, like, yeah. and 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 what my point in all of that is, I feel when you play basketball, let's take this back all the way to when we were young, we were, we were playing our first game. Basketball is hard, like mm-hmm. you know, sprinting up and down the floor, and then having to get in the stance and stay in the stance and move your feet, run through picks. Basketball is hard, and like if if you aren't if you aren't looking. If you don't have a threat of, oh, if I don't make this box out or I don't fight through this screen or I don't, you know, move my feet and get to that rotation or get to that, cut off that drive, if if you don't have a threat of, if I don't do this, I'm coming out, you don't do it all the time. Right. I don't care who you are. When your brain gets tired, sometimes you don't make the right closeout. Sometimes you don't fight through the right through the screen. Sometimes you don't battle like you should. Because you're tired. Well, in my opinion, we've seen guys like take times off and not do those things. We, I mean, Nate Mason was a good player, but Nate Mason, he didn't always do those things. Beer Coffee isn't always doing those things. Doesn't always do those things. Jordan Murphy isn't always doing those things. And these guys are playing mega minutes. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes when these guys don't make those plays. Possession after possession after possession, five minutes into their stint on the floor, they need to come out. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. The pre McBrayer that's finally happened to him the last few games. But you have guys on the bench that can play more than six, seven minutes. You could, you know, they could play 10, 11, 12 minutes in a game. And you need to use them to keep your guy, you know, to keep your guys mentally fresh that we have to do these team basketball things. And I don't think they're always doing those team basketball things. I think that's what sometimes leads to some of the ugly play that we're getting. Yeah, and I think a, a prime example of that would be the game, the, the second game of that uh, Vancouver Classic against um, Santa Clara. Like with th- doubt. Yeah, they played. They were terrible to start. I mean, they ended up winning by fourteen. You know, eighty to sixty-six. Um, Kalisher was great. He kept them in it. Uh, but ultimately, like they were terrible. And I, I, I think you tweeted something to the extent of they should have done basically a Tubby Smith like full five in five out line change there. And I, I truly believe that as well. And I was really surprised that they let them kind of work through it because effort was effort at times has been really lacking. And that's I think probably the most disappointing thing because we've talked about multiple times you know preceding the season like this arguably from a talent perspective they didn't end up getting Marcus Carr but um, this is probably the most talented team they've had since 2009 and they they have a ton of depth and I thought that they were going to be able to you know be able to have guys push each other internally but it seems like from a hierarchy perspective like that hasn't happened and I think you're spot on with that assessment I just you know I'm not saying that we have there are guys on this team that need to play that are thirty minute guys. Yeah. Jordan Minute Jordan Murphy's a thirty two minute guy when he's not fouling. Mir Coffee's a thirty some minute guy. You know, Dupree McBrayer, when he's on, when he's his shot is on and he's playing hard, he's a thirty minute guy. Gabe Kelcher looks like he's gonna be a thirty minute guy. But you know what? When those guys 
repeatedly don't make a box out here, when they repeatedly don't defend the high ball screen like they're supposed to, when they repeatedly, and this is the biggest thing for me, when we repeatedly see a guy decide, you know what, I want my offense. When we see a guy yes. do that, there needs to, there are guys sitting over on that bench who are experienced good players that can spell them, and that 33 minutes can be 29 or maybe less if they don't want to listen, but these guys will listen. You know, they, they yeah. get it, I think. And, like, you can give some more minutes to some of our players. Because Brock Stone and Michael Hurd, when they come on the floor, have you looked at what they're like? Like, they're, they look like, oh, I make one mistake, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot. Yeah. And you can't that, – that guys can't play comfortable like that when they know that that's going to happen. Meanwhile, other guys can make, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of position mistakes. And it's just like, well, I'm not coming off the floor, so okay. You know, and I think some of that has to, like, some of that needs to be a little bit cleaned up. And I think we, you know, I think we saw some of that cleaned up because Santa Clara drove me mad. Like, there was guys out there giving terrible efforts and nothing was done for a while. Like, remember the play where they had a three-on-one and Amir threw a bad pass, like a terrible pass? Yeah. You could see it was almost in his head. Dupree McRae just throws his hands up and then walks. Daniel Latour walked. That all three of those guys should have been off the floor that second. Yeah. And I think, and I wrote about that. And then the next game, I thought Richard Pitino was outstanding in making adjustments against Washington. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we do have to give it more time. We do have to understand that every one of these teams they've played are good. Not everyone, but most of them are high major basketball teams, and they're presenting more complex things to a gopher team that has Amir Coffee playing point guard for the first time. You yeah. also do have to understand that. But there's no excuse for the way they played against Boston College, effort-wise. No, I... I while the effort why was, why effort was just wasn't there. Right. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, you're right. At this point, they've played what? They've played four high-major schools. They're going to play a fifth here on Friday. Um, and if you're li- listening to this afterwards, sorry, we didn't we didn't talk about the, we didn't wait until after the Oklahoma State game. But um, I, th- this is kind of this is kind of my thought. You know, I, I like the, I like the scheduling going with a lot of high major teams. I recognize that it can be challenging to schedule those kind of late in a, in a non conference season. But you know, traditionally we're used to getting the North Floridas and the Florida Carolina A and T's and the Mount St Marys teams. You know, early in the season to kind of build camaraderie, you know, build some confidence, etc. They were kind of thrown into the meat grinder right away and I don't know if we're just seeing some of that early struggle because they're trying to build that build that continuity, but I, like you, am, am a little frustrated. Um, I was kind of expecting more out of a, of a veteran squad. And I think the, I'll be honest, I think the, the lack of point guard, and I, I do think that Amir Coffey is doing a, you know, a decent job, but he's not a point guard in the traditional sense, right? He's more of a point forward. And, and I think that, you know, the fact that, that Isaiah Washington hasn't been able to just take the reins and run with that position somewhat does hamper them because I think, I think that Amir on the wing is when he is his most dangerous. Yeah, I agree. As, you know, I don't, and I think they can change things, not change things. I think they can grow to a point where Amir can enter the ball of the wing, maybe the high ball screen, maybe with, um, you know, whatever they want to do on the wing to open the wing to get it over there. And Amir can move to the offense and become, and become the wing that we expect to, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I don't want to sound too dire because, again, right. we are talking about a 5-1 team. Yeah. So we got to bring it back to the positive. 
Are there worries and concerns? Yes. There are some things that are worrying, that are worries and concerns. There's some low shot percentages on this team right now. There are some guys that need to step up to see, to need to step up defensively. That said, it's a five and one basketball team. And with a win in Oklahoma, a win against Oklahoma State, you're talking about a six and one basketball team that has faced a lot of different things. Um, Texas A&M threw a guy at Mirror Coffee full court and it rattled him. That's not something that you're going to always see. That what is his name? T.J. Sparks. Yeah. That dude has a special ability that a lot of not a lot of guys have. Yep. Washington threw a zone at Minnesota that was new. Boston College threw a matchup zone at them that was new. These are all things that I don't know that you're going to get a lot of that in the Big Ten. There are some zones, but most of it's going to be grinded out Big Ten. So we do have to understand that they've faced some complicated things that came out with wins. And again, and if Oklahoma, they have a good game against Oklahoma State, all positive. Mm-hmm. But we are talking about there are some concerns that we that we discuss, and we are human beings, Luke. It's hard <laughs> to have a talk show coming out here, you know, super expressive about amazing, amazing, amazing. We yeah. know how good some of these guys are. We know what they've done well. We've expressed that. But when there's things that are concerns. You, you talk about the concerns in a little more detail because there's more detail to give. Yeah, and, and we should highlight a couple, you know, a couple of the really bright spots. Like, I I expected Gabe Callister to shoot the ball well. I was supr- a little surprised he started, but I didn't expect him to shoot, you know, 55% from three and hit 23s in the first six games. Like, I didn't expect that at all. Um, that, that's been phenomenal. I think Daniel Arturo has been, been really, really good. He was averaging 6.8 rebounds per game. He was 55% from the floor. Um, or, sorry. Is he 55% from the floor? 51% from the floor. Um, you know, he, and he's been good, and I thought he had a really off game against Boston College. I thought, you know, maybe the missed dunk rattled him a little bit. Uh, he's still, he's young, so he's had a little bit of foul trouble, but there's times he's played, you know, really mature. Additionally, you know, he he's leading the team in blocks with 10. You can see the potential is there. He's going to be a very good shot blocker uh, for the years to come. So it's really exciting to have some really good young players. I think, uh, you know, Jordan Murphy's Jordan Murphy. He's a double-double machine. Um, I think Amir Coffey's had flashes. He's not shot the ball well, um, but I think that'll come in waves. Um, additionally, I think that you know Isaiah had arguably his best game in the home opener where he had like nine assists or something like that, or was that the 10? 10. 10? Maybe even 11. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was it was phenomenal, um, and I thought you know maybe the the light bulb had switched. Uh, unfortunately, I mean people are well aware that he's struggled massively at times. Then in that second half, he was really good against Washington. So I think I I still have hope that he he's going to turn a corner and really become that facilitating point guard that we know he can be, and his shots will come. Um, but you know there there definitely are positives here, and I think I think Brock Stahl is a great addition. I think I've been most impressed with his passing i'm still really high on michael hurt i still don't understand why he doesn't play as much um and again i i mentioned it before but i think driver somers is going to have a real role to play on this team in the in the years to come a huge energy guy it's going to come things just have to slow down for him uh, it just seems like the game's maybe a little too fast at this point luke did you just do did you just do a 10-man run through i basically I did and man run through well let me do my 10-man run <laughs> okay do it Let's see, let's see do our 10-man run-through. Well, Jordan Murphy, dude, when they got the ball to him in the middle of the zone, yeah. he destroyed. 
destroyed the Washington big, whose name is escaping me out. As the, by the way, if I way everyone that's listening right now, I am driving. I don't have like a computer to look up dude's name. <laughs> so therefore, like I can't remember the Washington power forward. He's really, really good. And he kicked the crud out of the Gophers to start that game. But then Jordan Murphy kicked the crud out of him the second half when they got the ball to the middle and, and they had a great game plan in the second half. Jordan Murphy is Jordan Murphy. He set a new record, which is amazing, which is amazing. And he's become so much of a better passer out of the slow post. Like yeah. he's done a great job working with him on that, and he's done well, that well. It also you know, it, we, it also helps that like Daniel Trujillo can catch, right? Like I'm not. I, oh yeah, that that helps as well. Yeah, Daniel Daniel Trujillo has some very very good mitts. Um, Daniel Trujillo, good transition to Daniel. Daniel had a terrible uh, night against Boston College because he got in foul trouble, and he dealt with a veteran post in Popovich. I think it's Popovich, Popovich, whatever. Yeah. Who, was nine for nine from the field, maybe it was eight for eight, and used every post move that he had. He flustered Daniel. Daniel got flustered by a veteran big. That's going to happen to a young big. So Dan, but Daniel's going to be a really nice piece for this basketball team going forward. Um, Daniel's shown good flashes, and he's only going to get better. Very positive. Dupree McRae started off the season shooting well. It looked he was really good in the exhibitions and the scrimmages, mm-hmm. and then the first games it looked like the old Dupree that we're all we're all used to. But then he struggled lately, and it's not only has it seeped over from his shooting, but also some of the defensive things. But we talked about that earlier. He might have some off the floor issues. Why I like Gabe Kelser so much? It's he knows the intricacy. What is that word? Intricacy. I can't say it either. Uh, What intricacies? There we go. Yes. Those things about the game, he's so intelligent. Like, you don't have to worry about Gabe getting through a screen uh, with his footwork battling through a screen. He knows how to do it. You don't have to worry about Gabe getting in the stance. You don't have to worry about Gabe off the ball. You don't have to worry about him moving off the ball because the second he passes it, he moves to a good spot on the floor where he can catch and shoot and be dangerous. Gabe Kelser's intelligence of the game, that is what that is one of the biggest reasons he plays. I don't – if anybody knew this – I don't understand why a lot of people didn't see this when he was playing EYBL, but it was there. That's why he was such a, you know, so many coaches I think just thought, well, Trey Jones has gotten shot. And he didn't get a big number of offers. But, like, before Scout.com merged with 24-7, he was a four-star player there. And our prep hoops national rankings, we moved him up to, I believe, in the 130s. That's a pretty good ranking, but he's all playing even that ranking. Yeah, like you saw it at the end of last year. Gabe is an intelligent player, and he's a great shooter. Great surprise! I think he's gonna be such a nice player for this team. Uh, Amir Coffey, I think his head is spinning with his new role. I think he's got to find a comfort level with it. That pass and that three-on wave one break said it all. When Amir Coffey is Amir Coffey, he is transition gold. Yes, like you can't stop him. But he's not shooting the ball well in this. I think his new role is messing with him a little bit. But he's still leading this team in scoring. So everything's going to be good. But he's below 40% shooting from the field now. So we gotta, they got to find a way to get him more comfortable, you know, as a player within, you know, within the offense. Um, I think I did my run through through the starters. Let's go to the bench. Matt Stockman. Matt Stockman. Oh, my God. How good has he been for this team? Yes. You can trust him to come off the bench and play minutes. That is such 
a nice release for up front. They needed size up front. Mott is giving what he needs. A for Mott Stockton. That's an A. Um, Isaiah Washington, we've talked about that enough. You know, we had a guy on our board saying the Gophers need to learn how to move off of him. Well, it's really hard to learn how to move off of somebody when you don't know where they're going to go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like we, they don't know if he would just find his way to play within that half-court offense, he would destroy people because he is a really good passer. But his timing is just so off. I mean, you can't just throw a ball randomly at a guy after you got you stuck yourself in the bottom corner, you know, in that short corner with a double team. Like, well, once he's, he needs to find a rhythm within that half court offense. I think that I think the Boston College game was a, a good microcosm of just like where his struggles are. Like he against the matchup zone, he was dribbling to spots he should not be dribbling to. Right, exactly. like. That was this. That was really, I think, the issue, and it's a microcosm of the issues that he needs to overcome. If he could just balance the knowledge of when he should attack space and make a play, because there are times you attack fast, there are times you push the floor and go, there are times in half court offense when you have space and you go. If you could, if he could just balance the knowledge of that versus, you know what, the other team has scored four the last five times, we need a good high percentage shot. Or we are playing really well right now. We just came out of, you know, a dead ball. Let's grind this team out. I'll find the right path. I'll hit a guy, and he'll make a high percentage shot. Yeah. It just doesn't happen with him enough. It's just, it just seems too much like it. I got to go now. 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 Yeah. Well, when you got to go now, you end up trying to shoot over a six foot ten guy in a low percentage shot, or you turn the ball over, or you're shooting over two players. Like, those things haven't subsided. Like, but every time we feel like maybe they will, it comes back around and here they are again. Yeah. So hopefully for him, things turn around in the next few games and we're back to the guy who has that potential to be so good. Um, Jarvis Lamirsa, you touched on Jarvis. Look, Jarvis is going to be a hell of a rebounder. And he's going to have a lot of highlights for this Gover team. But he, his head is spinning. He needs, He just needs some time. And I don't know that playing him 19 minutes in some of these games, is the right answer because the experience just isn't there. Yes, you gain experience by playing, but you also can gain experience in practice and take it somewhat slow. I think, I think with Jarvis, it just they need to take a step back and let this season go, and in the future have a bigger role next year when Jordan's gone, and he has, and then have a monster role when he's a junior and senior. I think that's the best answer for it. Um, or. And play more this year, but you know he needs to take a step back and let the game, let him catch up to understand what's going on in the game. Then we have our two guys, Brock Stoll and Michael Hurt. When Brock Stoll shoots the ball, I think it's going in. Like I feel like it's going in. Yeah. And he's a really, really good passer. I would like it if there was a set, if it was, if his rotation minutes was something we could expect. Like yeah, he's gonna come on the floor, he's gonna play four minutes, and he's gonna go off. And then I think he would probably like that, too, because he seems like he's looking over his shoulder because every mistake he makes, out he comes. And that's been somewhat with Michael Hurt, too. Jarvis is struggling. Michael Hurt comes on the floor. He's steady. He knows mm-hmm. how to pass the ball. He's in the right position, D. Like, he makes the right passes. Like, I just don't understand why his minutes are so off and on. I think it'd be better if he was playing that other four spot in backup minutes and he backed up Amir at the three, and you just got steady minutes with a steady player. 
Like, that's my opinion, and I think it would help the team if they did that because I personally believe that Michael Hurd's been pretty good when he's been on the floor. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you on, on Michael Hurd as well. You know, it, it kind of blows my mind that, you know, you know, through six games, Brock Stoll only has eight shot attempts, like total. Yeah. And he's four for seven from three, and, and he's, he's made his only layup attempt. So, or I think it was a layup. I can't remember exactly. But that surprised me a little bit. You know, Michael Hurt, he hasn't shot the three particularly well so far. He's only one for seven. But we've seen that he can hit it in stretches really, really well. And like you said, both of them, it, both of them really pass the ball a lot better than I think people give them credit for. Additionally, they space the floor well. And then defensive positioning, neither of them are ultra-athletic, but the defensive positioning-wise, I, I like what I see out of both of them. They're college basketball, <clears throat> they're college basketball veterans. They're not athletes. They don't need to play. This team, talent-wise, they don't need to play 28 minutes, but they should be playing a little bit more than they are. So, that, so you, and you, you can use them when your other guys don't play the way they're supposed to or when they're tired. I just don't believe on nights when guys are playing poor defense that you they should be playing 34 minutes a game. And I think that's a yeah. frustration that I've had. And I think there's so many long stretches of poor play where guys are just, I just think they need a break mentally and they need to be looked at and said, hey, I know you're one of our 30-plus minute guys, but you have got to stop making these mistakes. You have veteran players on the bench that you could put in the game and, and let those other guys sit down and collect their thoughts. But I, I think they need to do a better job of using those guys. Yeah. All right, let's just talk a, a, about a couple things, uh, a couple other things before maybe we transition, talk a l- tiny bit of recruiting. Um, things that have been encouraging to me, you know, on, let's see, it's 157 made field goals, the 92 of them are assisted. That's that's really good. That's a really high percentage. Um, I, I think that's positive. I think it talks about how well they're sharing the ball as a team. Um, but that said, this team is struggling massively with turnovers right now. They have 92 assists to 82 total turnovers and they've had you know a couple games where it's been really bad i think that's something they can drastically improve upon well from first the first thing i thought that comes to my head is guys trying to do too much at bad times yeah i feel like guys are trying to make plays you know in times where they don't need to they're trying to rush their own offense and you result in mistakes you know and, and i don't think this is the giant percentage of the turnovers how many times have the referees called just like terrible screens on the Gophers, like set screens, oh, it's a foul. Mm -hmm. Or I I also think that I'm not a big official complainer. As a matter of fact, I think the officials for most of these games have been pretty good. But I'm not a – I don't think the Gophers have got a very good balance of, you know, when it comes to illegal screens, they've been calling them versus the other teams. I don't think that's been fairly balanced. And I don't think that they've also got the the fair share of – Taking charges versus charges called on them. Yeah, that those are the that those are. I don't think it's been a good balance. Well, they've he, had a lot of offensive ball calls mm-hmm. that have been kind of weak. Yeah. So, so and the, and the reason I say that those are turnovers. Yeah. When you have an offensive foul, that's a turnover. I think they've got a lot of offensive fouls that I don't think were warranted. Yeah. Plus they've forced some bad stuff. So I want to add one thing to that that 
has stood out to me for college basketball in general. I think consistency on illegal screens, especially uh, uh, like in the key, uh, above the key, have been has been really inconsistent across college basketball right now. I like you know how you know when they when they do like a dribble handoff and guys just kind of like turn into someone. They're they've they're try- I wonder if that's a point of emphasis this year because I've seen more of those called. But I'd say like consistency across the board in college basketball hasn't been very good. Um, that's just my observation. Others can you know tweet at me if I'm completely crazy or you know yell at me on uh, Gopher Illustrated. Either one's fine. But I, I've not been impressed with that. Also, what what is a charge today? Like honestly, like oh, I want to say it. I've been waiting for you to finish talking so I can go, man. Just so I can go. Brad Davison five charges last night. Like first of all, kudos to Brad yeah. for doing it. I'm not talking about Brad. Officials, you're a joke. Like, just because Brad Davidson screams and flies backwards doesn't mean it's a charge. And it's happening all over college basketball. These officials are so excited to call a charge, it's pissing me off. Like, I am a guy who wants to see more charges in the game of basketball to reward the defense. But you got to stop rewarding guys for screaming and vaulting backwards. Like, it's, it's, really, it's really angering where a guy attacks in the lane, comes to a jump stop, and turns in the air and barely makes contact, and the referee is, like, watching the ball and, like, oh, God, that guy fell down. It's a charge. Or he screamed really loud. It's a charge. Stop being impacted by the players acting to get a charge because Brad Davidson should not have got five charges last night. That was a joke. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the the interesting thing, I, I watched the compilation back. I thought two of them, like, there is hardly any contact where it should almost have been a no call, right? Um, yeah. Like, it wasn't an offensive foul, but it also wasn't a defensive foul. But, uh, you know, kudos to him. I mean, that's 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 great for for him and we know he's a tough we know he's a tough player and um i i agree though it it my my struggle is there's just lack of consistency on on what it is especially out front in the key i think you know on secondary guys stepping in i think it's pretty clear but you know where where guys are you know getting in front of their man and you know stepping in front i haven't seen a lot of consistency at least in my opinion there again i could be completely off my rocker as well but I'm looking forward to the referee who looks at a guy flopping down and no calls, and a guy just gets a layup, or the guy just laying in the ground <laughs> and plays around him. Because that needs, these referees, like they just react too much. They get into the excitement of the game and they react too much. They are human. We got to expect some of that, but they got to be trained better than just to buy everything when a guy screams yeah. and vaults himself to the floor. Yeah, and we haven't seen one of the point of emphasis this year was you know like the hooking on. Um, on you know free th- or on rebounds where you you know you hook a guy and he's unable to jump and they were going to start calling that a flagrant foul. I haven't seen that yet, but I'm I'm excited for the first one and just like a, a stadium erupts because they don't know uh, that that's a point of emphasis yep. this year. That's going to be really entertaining. So uh, okay, let's let's chat a little bit of recruiting. Um, National Signing Day has come and gone. Uh, the Gophers have a number of scholarships to fill. Uh, they they only filled one. I think the guy's name is Trey Williams. If is it Trey Williams? It, yes. You know the one thing I want to say about about the Gophers, they have four to give. But they only have two to give for next year. And with all people are familiar with the Minnesota 2020 class because they're aware of Dawson Garcia and yeah. Carlson, and they're aware of Jalen Suggs, Dane Deja, and now Kerwin Walton. But people in Minnesota, you got to know there's more than that. 
we're going to be seeing more guys. There's a six foot ten kid at Eastview named Stephen Kroll who's had high majors in his gym. There's a six foot nine post Jacob Hudson at Edina who's pretty good. I'm going to forget names because there's a lot of talent. Gabe Madsen down at Rochester Mayo at one point had an offer for Marquette. Um, there's going to be more players, and I, and I definitely forgot some guys. So I apologize. There's a lot of players in the state. Um, there are more guys that are going to get high major looks. So they need more than two scholarships for next year. I If somebody transfers, and I guarantee you somebody will, it's going to happen, dude. So it happens every year. It's, it's the law yeah. of, of college basketball. Someone always transfers. Yeah. So let's just say five. They have, they'll have four to give. You need to bank one of those. If not two, probably one because you can count on somebody going. So, like, you need to bank one for sure. And then college basketball, in our prep school's top 500, there are still 153 available top 500 players out there that are still available. Also, of those 343, excuse me, bad math, of those 347 of the top 500 that are committed, you're going to have 25 to 30 of them get out of their letter of intent for various reasons. So there are going to be 160, 170 guys high school-wise they can look at. There will be a ton of grad transfers to look at. So there is a lot of time left to recruit. So don't worry too much about that. Also, Trey Williams, mom went to school in St. Paul. That's something that's kind of been a cool little thing about Trey Williams. He knows the Suggs family. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that's going to bring Jalen Suggs here. Jalen Suggs has got a lot of different schools he's looking at. Um, I, right now, I wouldn't say that Trey Williams is going to be the guy that pulls Jalen Suggs to Minnesota. <laughs> if they want, if they want Jalen Suggs, they need to start putting in more effort to get Jalen Suggs. Let's just say that. Like more calls need to be made. They need to get him on campus more, and they, you know, they need to make that effort with him and some of the other guys that he plays with that they're recruiting. That's what they need to do to get Jalen Suggs. But Trey Williams is on the team and somebody that they're familiar with, Jalen. Um, Trey Williams, there's a couple services now that have him as a four-star recruit. Apparently he was so good at some of these prep school events that he was moved up to four stars. Tough, physical. You've seen the pictures of this kid. He is cut. And he's apparently a pretty good athlete and a much-improved shooter. He has gone from a guy who we have ranked way too low in our prep school top 500 he's gone from a guy that was just looking at pepperdine and a few others to being a guy that many are saying is underlooked at or under recruited so minnesota might have found another gabe kelster style you know gem recruiting wise so it's the trey williams everything's looking at it um as a positive not to mention 4-0 plus student great kid yeah that's that... and his sister plays at duke Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know much about him mostly because I, you know, he was such a late like official visit. You know, he wasn't someone there on committed for a long time, so you follow him a lot. Um, but you know, everything I've seen seems positive, and and I, I'm excited to see you know how he plays this year in prep school, and uh, it, it should be an interesting uh, it should be an interesting recruit to follow um, the remainder before he get or the remainder of his uh, of his playing days before college. I, what do you call a, a prep school kid? Like uh, just a prep school basically, kid? Basically, they're just a lot of these prep schools are all playing each other all around the country. Like yeah. it's basically just a, it's basically how would you would imagine like junior hockey or like not like now I'm not going to say minor league baseball, but at the same time, it's kind of that effect. They're traveling all over the place, playing each other. 
They're just getting on this. There's like a grind session circuit. They're all playing each other. So he's playing a high level of competition, probably at times in dingy gyms, probably at times in front of 13 fans, probably more college coaches than fans. A lot of these games. Sure. There's no, there's no attachment to these kids. So fans don't show up, you know, like they don't know who they are, so they don't show up. You know, you got to have an attachment to get a random draw to fans. So therefore they're playing the small gyms, but they're playing high level of competition. And he plays for Wasatch Academy out in Utah. Okay. Okay. So before we before we kind of wrap up, just a couple questions. I mean, obviously the focus focuses uh, Matthew Hurt. That's that's paramount. I think people kind of know where he's at. He's going to be a spring guy that's going to decide. You know, probably very last minute. He has that luxury. Um, but you know, if they can't land him, I got to think getting a big guy in is probably probably the focus because they have a lot of guards coming in from a grad or from a transfer perspective. You're right, but the guys that I'm seeing that I talk to are like Tony Johnson Jr., Alabama. He's a guard. Um, you know, they talked about some, there have been some big guards like the Darion Sebron who visited here. Well, that kid keeps getting a lot of offers. And the first thing he said to me when he was talking about Minnesota visit is, that place is pretty cold. Pretty cool, but pretty cold. And then he keeps getting <laughs> southern offers. So I'm pretty much scratching him off the list. I'm Sardar Calhoun with the Juco that there's, some things with his transcripts so he couldn't visit, so it's not certain that he's going to be leaving after one year. So he's one to kind of watch. They've been talking to a kid named uh, Tiwante Williams. I'm not exactly sure how to say his name. He's from Illinois. Our Illinois guy says he's more of a mid-major group. He does have a Texas Tech offer, although Texas Tech has got their class now, so I don't think it's a current offer, but he did get one in, the, in, the, in August. So they're talking to him. Um, and then also... The guy that visited Gerald Drumgoogle, Gerald Drumgoogle, that two sports stud that visited up here, oh yeah, still available. I would watch his name. But as far as size goes, if they're off, if they're after some size, they've done a good job of keeping it quiet. Which, when you're recruiting, when you're recruiting players that aren't ranked super duper high, and you're recruiting some guys that are a little bit under the radar, it, it tends to uh, slip under the radar a little bit, so you don't hear about it as mm-hmm. much. So if it, if there's some size they're after, you know if the name has the names haven't popped up. But remember this: remember the kid that from Highland Community, Community College. He's not one that puts a lot of his offers out out there. Luca Benersich from Highland Community College. They really like that kid. They want him in their program. He'll be making the spring decision. So if you want, to, if there's a big man name to watch, that's the one. Plus, watch some transfers, man. Yeah. I mean, I I'm not gonna start saying this guy's going to transfer and that guy's going to transfer because we don't know that yet. But I have, I'm making a transfer list, like I'm a national transfer list, and I got 20 names. There's 20 transfers on it already that are quality names that are they're going to be mid-year eligible. That list is going to grow huge. And, like, I'm just going to throw some examples out. This doesn't mean Jericho Sims is leaving, okay? I'm not saying – put that out here. I'm not saying Jericho Sims is leaving. Okay. I'm not saying – but Jericho Sims is at a school where, like, he's got two bigs in front of him again. You know what I mean? Like, Hayes, yeah. that, that guy, that freshman that they have down at Texas, and that Tulane transfer with all the tats. Oh, and yeah. Like, O-Striker, maybe. We'll say O-Striker just because as it relates to that old those American Pie movie. <laughs> O-Striker. Like, he's behind those two. And, oh, by the way, Texas signed two 6-10 kids. Will Baker and Keon, uh, Keon Lewis, Keon Lewis. Kia Jones, one of those names. They signed one of them's a five star, and the other's a hot hundred kid. 
like more talent coming into Texas. So like, does Jericho Sims look at that and be like, huh, when's my turn going to be? There are a lot of kids in America in that situation. So you need to watch that and watch the graduate transfers because if Minnesota has, you know, Minnesota's going to be a, 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 an attractive team talent-wise because I, we think they're going to be an NCAA tournament team. Well, they're going to be an attractive team to jump on and maybe get some minutes for. So watch the graduate transfer or regular transfer list as well. And who knows what the NCAA is going to do with the transfer list, man? Half the dudes are eligible these days anyway. Yeah, exactly. Except it's... for Marcus Carr. <laughs> right, of course. Of course, except for Marcus Carr. So, uh, yeah, if anybody wants to check out Ryan's work, uh, I, I highly suggest checking it out on Gopher Illustrated or Prep Hoops. Uh, he is the best in the business as it, as it comes to college basketball recruiting. Uh, I don't think anybody actually questions that. Um, so, yeah, but it'll be a fun a fun uh, season, obviously, for, for Gopher basketball. We'll probably chat after the non-conference season again. And maybe maybe in between. Uh, so we want to thank everybody for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, uh, rate it on iTunes and or whatever podcasting aggregator you use. If you leave a rating and a comment, it helps uh, people find us. We appreciate that. Um, additionally, um, yeah, enjoy Gopher basketball and go Gophers.